Welcome to Let's Talk Death, conversations to inform and inspire. Let's Talk Death is being brought to you by Heal Grief, a nonprofit providing the tools and resources to support one's journey with grief. We seek to empower individuals to achieve a healthy post-bereavement growth. Everything we do is inspired by our core belief that no one should ever grieve alone. Let's Talk Death is a series of conversations with some amazing people from various fields. Our goal through these conversations is to normalize, educate, and demystify the taboo around death, dying, and the journey of grief. Hello, welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Death. I'm Fran Solomon. And I'm Andy McNeil. And we're thrilled to be your host for these conversations. Our guest today is Michael Wool. Michael is best known for his role as one of the original designers of Apple's legendary film editing tool, Final Cut Pro. He is an award-winning filmmaker with two decades of experience across genres, styles, and formats. Michael has maintained a parallel career as an author, professor, and educator, serving eight years as an adjunct professor at UCLA's Graduate School of Film and TV. Michael is the father of two small children, a champion bird watcher, an armchair humorist, and principal baker at Burlesque Buns. Yet today, Michael joins us as the author of In Herschel's Wake, which he describes as a darkly funny examination of faith, funerals, and fucked up fathers. But most of all, it's about forgiveness. Michael, we are delighted to have you on our show. Thank you so much. And I'm really honored to be here. And as I said a few minutes ago to you guys, I really appreciate what you're doing. And I think it's a a beautiful thing. And uh, it's just a joy to be a part of it. Thank you so much. Michael, before we speak about your book, may I first take you back in time and ask you to share about your feelings after hearing the news of your father's death? What was that like for you? It was really unexpected, um, and it took a long time for the truth of it to set in. Uh, I think that my first reaction was just disbelief. It was just a, a sense of, of confusion, really. Like, I mean, I think that feelings of sadness or anger or any of that was really not present. It was really just this this sense of like, but wait, how could that be? I, I just, I mean, I he was fine last night, you know, and it was it was very. Um, uh, just confusing, I think, is sort of the overwhelming emotion at the moment, certainly. So yeah. in addition to confusing, were you feeling sad? Were you feeling um, relief? You had a tumultuous relationship. What 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 sense was that in addition to confusing? No, I don't think it was relief. I think I mean, in fact, sort of maybe betraying some of the complex complexity of my relationship with my father this sense of like, but wait, we haven't, I haven't had a chance to work stuff out, you know, like, and so I, I was, I was more, I, I, and again, like, I wasn't really sad. I mean, I was confused and I, you know, I, I saw the first thing, the first person I talked to was my sister who I also wasn't very close with. I mean, we have a loving relationship, but not, we don't, we didn't at the time, we didn't talk that frequently. And she was overcome with sadness. And I feel like I remember this sense of like, oh yeah, right. This is sad. Like, you know, like it took somebody like, like the reflection of that to sort of remind myself that that was 
part of what was going on. But I think I was really overcome with such a, a range of feelings that, that I really was, uh, you know, and maybe in shock is maybe the right real, then maybe that's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had so many people over the years that the way they've described it to me is whether, whatever the relationship was with the person, they, they've said, I wasn't finished. Like I wasn't, I wasn't finished with that relationship, you know, like, wait a minute. I, I thought there would be more time or, you know, all of those things that are part of that. You know? Yeah. It's funny because I actually thought I had been finished. Like I had a few years before this, I had sort of made up my mind that I was going to stop fighting with him and stop trying to fix him or trying to make him understand. You know, I, I had sort of thought I had given that up. And then yet in this moment of recognizing that there was no more opportunity, I was sort of, you know, flushed with this feeling of, but wait, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. I, as a, one of my favorite authors said, I think when it comes to all death, again, no matter what the relationship is, we, we run out of time and we, and we may not even know that we needed that extra time. We don't know it until we don't have it, but yeah. Yeah. So I believe you were estranged with your siblings. What was it like reconnecting with them? Well, so as I mentioned, my my sister and I weren't estranged as much as we just weren't in a lot of touch at the time. And in other parts of our life, we had been in more frequent touch. But over the year or two before this happened, uh, and this is now about 12 years ago, 14 years ago, uh, yeah, you know, in that time, we hadn't really talked frequently. And I had sort of become angry is too strong, but sort of frustrated with her and not really feeling like we were in a good place. And I also had a half brother, uh, my father's son with his second wife, who I knew as a baby, but they divorced when the baby was about three and his mom took him away. And I had had basically no touch with him since he was, you know, a toddler. And, and and this was about 25 years later. So I think, yeah, he was 27 or 28 at the time. And so he was basically a complete stranger. I mean, without going to every detail of how it how it came apart, you know, came together, we met on this, uh, on a nearby island. So my dad was living on this remote Caribbean island, uh, the island of St. Eustatius is part of the Netherlands Antilles. And it was a tiny island. And uh, the reasons why he was living there are interesting, but I'll save that. But, you know, we met on St. Martin, which was sort of the nearest international airport uh, to there. And I remember arriving. We all came in separately. And I remember arriving and planning to meet my brother and, you know, sort of not sure who he was. I mean, I had seen a picture, but I didn't really know what he looked like. And this weird sense of like, like shortness of breath, almost like, wait, I'm meeting this guy that I don't, I don't know what my relationship is with him. And, and uh, I don't know anything. And yet, and we're here for this confusing, complicated thing anyway. And I was walking through the airport in St. Martin, trying to figure out how I was going to find this guy. And I saw somebody standing, you know, 20 feet away, facing away. And the posture, his posture was so intimately familiar. It was this incredible sense of like, oh, right. Yeah, we're family like this. And and that that just that feeling helped bridge some of that gap a little bit. And I just wow. want to make sure we bring the audience into this. Um, so your father's name is Herschel. And we're talking about your story in your book in Herschel's Awake. And so you're you're con- you're meeting on this um, island, or you're you're gathering to this this place to plan your father's funeral. 
So, so let's continue. And how did that go for you? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different pieces of it, but like the thing was, we didn't know, we didn't know who he knew on the island. We didn't really know anybody on this island. I had visited another island a few years previously. So I'd been to the region, but I'd never been to this one island. And all three of us sort of expected we were going to walk into a fairly familiar situation. And when we got to this island, we were, well, I mean, I think, you know, we were asking like, so, you know, where's the funeral home and how are we going to go through the arrangements? And the guy who picked us up was the owner of their, my dad lived in this sort of, sort of a hotel, but more like a long-term residence place for locals, uh, there was a university on the island and my dad was teaching at the university. And a lot of the people who lived in this little place were uh, it's like a motel kind of were, were worked at the the uh, university. And so the guy who picked us up was sort of like a little bit shy, a little impatient with us that we were like, so who's going to take care of this for us? And he was like, that's not the way things work here. You know, like on this Island, pretty much you're on your own, like that you, you guys are going to do whatever you want and we'll help you. But like, and like, it came down that we like, we needed to build a coffin, like physically build a co- We're like, How? I don't understand. Like, and then not only that, but like dig a hole. Like, it's like, well, where do you want to bury him? Like, I, I don't know. Isn't there a cemetery? It's like, well, you could bury him in a cemetery, but your dad actually asked to be buried on our property. And we're like, okay, how are we going to dig a hole? And, and, and how big and, and every detail, including like cleaning the body, like preparing the body for death or for burial was like up to us. And I mean, the truth is that I actually really appreciated that maybe not in the moment, but shortly thereafter, I sort of really appreciated the ability to be so intimately connected with the details of death, you know, and, and the mechanics of it, which normally were so shielded from in the U S and, uh, and I think that there's a way in which that physical immediacy really created an opportunity for a different kind of forgiveness, like a different kind of connection, maybe is the right word to be like, no, there's a physical body there. And like, that was this person and all of my feelings about him and all of my anger is like, it's inert like this. There was no response you know, I mean, like literally in this sense of like, can he respond? Right. I'm I'm upset. And he has, you know, he's, he's gone. And this this really physical, visceral sense of that, that I think a lot of people don't have that opportunity because our funeral industry is so intent on hiding the discomfort. You know, it's interesting yeah. you say that we take care of um, infants at their birth, but yet we don't take care of our person in their death. Um, there's well, there seems to be a bit strangers, of a, you know, yeah. it's like it's entirely left to strangers. It's just so strange. And of course, many other cultures don't work that way. But for whatever reason, ours does. Let's Talk Death is being brought to you by Heal Grief, a 501c3. As a nonprofit, we are reliant on the kind generosity of our donors. If you are inspired by our mission, we ask you to go to healgrief.org backslash donations to help us continue our great work. No gift is too small. It's interesting. I I wonder, and, you know, we could probably talk about the ways that it's impacted us as a culture because we moved away from that connectedness to, to that process. 
probably a hundred different ways we could talk about that. But it is interesting how we've shifted to um, we talk about the emotional mental care for bereaved people, but not talk about that need for physical connectedness, doing something with our hands, doing something that's that's concrete and real and present in that moment and connected in a lot of ways. And I wonder, I've often wondered how that did has shaped not only our responses to death, but our health, our own personal health following the death of someone uh, being that disconnected, but really only focusing on our emotions, what's going on with us. It's interesting to hear you say it as you were like, I had all this anger, all this stuff, but here's this body. Like it's, it's sort of like all my stuff has to wait for a minute because I've got to, we have to do something here for this person who can't do that. And some cultures and some cultures really embrace caring for their dead. Um, Yeah. You know, so, I mean, obviously many, many funerals involve a viewing where you can see the body and sort of have that moment of saying goodbye uh, although uh, I'm Jewish and, and in the Jewish culture, we don't do that. That's not part of it. Um, although there is a, a a ritual called Tahara, which I may not be pronouncing right, but this is it's that the community is involved in cleaning and preparing the body. And my sister, who's more religious than I am and was uh, was had done that. And she at the time was like, I've done this for other people, but you're not supposed to do it for your own family. The point is that you can lean on your community. But we were in this place where we had no community to lean on, really. And so it was really up to us to do this. And my sister didn't want to do the Tahara. So my brother and I did this and she sort of talked us through some of the ritual steps and we tried our best to do that. But, you know, this that I mean, that this is all written in the book. I mean, the, all the details of these stories, but like this, you know, it was really one of the most amazing and profound experiences of my life. This physically manipulating the corpse of my father and being faced with like, you know, just the banal reality of like, there's a physical being here and it. And of course it reminds you of your own death. And and this is, I think what I was going to say a moment ago is that I think that one of the unfortunate problems with the way that our culture has pushed death out of our presence, out of our consciousness, the, the, the realities of it is that it, we spend too much time ignoring our own mortality and, and all of the positive and negative that goes along with that. Um, I was, you know, I was recently at the Natural History Museum in New York with my young kids, and we were in the Ancient Egypt exhibit, which is just magnificent. And my daughter, who's six, was really afraid of the mummies. She was really like, she knew that there was a mummy there, and she was like, really like, like literally covering her eyes, and like, I don't want to see it. And we had this fabulous conversation about, you know, the beauty of the care that this culture put towards death and i don't i haven't studied it so i'm no expert on ancient egypt but like the it appears that they spent a tremendous amount of their lives preparing for their own deaths and the deaths of the people around them probably only the rich people and there's a cultural you know there, there's a, a class issue which gets complicated that but like the amount of time that culture put towards the afterlife was just such a shocking contrast to our own I, you know, it's it's interesting hearing you talk, and I, I bring this up all the time, and I am interested in your opinion because you are a filmmaker, and 
we are kind of separate from death and we we don't talk about it and it's it's one of those things we don't focus on at the same time we entertain ourselves with it like we most hot films somehow have a death theme to it or someone in there is grieving i mean even i've talked about this even children's movies i won't say the name of the companies but children's movies all of the main characters are bereaved people like they've had a mom die or a dad die or both or a sibling or a there's it, it it's like we surround ourselves with this theme and we entertain ourselves with it uh, i did a talk years ago and i titled it our fascination and fear of death like we're fascinated by it but we also are sort of afraid of it so we don't we don't bring it up we keep it at arm's length but we do entertain ourselves and we watch lots of movies about it you know yeah so i think that's a me. really good point i i think that you know there is a uh i mean both the the fact that we are avoiding it is part of why i think we're so fascinated and i think that there is such a uh deep emotional charge in every human that it brings us together it is it is the great unifier right i mean that's that's it's the, and that's a, a positive about it uh, i'm reminded of one other story of my dad's death that also again is in the book so i feel like i don't want to recap the entire detail of it but again we were you know we're a jewish family but we're on this island where there was no jews at all there was there actually is a history of jews in the caribbean that's fascinating on its own but at the in present day there are very very few jewish people certainly on this island of stacia and they and they're and they're all the islanders are christian and they are and, and we had this funeral and and everybody came everybody on the island came not everybody but like you know hundreds of people or scores of people came it's a big beautiful event and my sister was reading uh was doing a, a series of jewish prayers and then she switched into the lord's prayer or the, the you know i psalm 23 i think is the the one uh that i will try to recite but everybody joined in because everybody knew it certainly and that moment is again like one of the most beautiful profound experiences of my life this chorus of all these people strangers people we'd met over the time you know over the time we were there we became close with a number of people that we had to interact and help us with this experience but like just this incredible welcoming and warmth and universality. And of course, you know, it, it was just this, it was the sound, you know, the sound of all these voices saying the same prayer was just magnificent. And it, it again, it was just, I found one of my most cherished, cherished memories. I love so- that word, the unifying, the unifying of it. I am curious for most of us, we're, we're sort of the sum of a lot of our experiences and it, things happen in life and, and our trajectory can be certainly reshaped or changed or we walk away. We don't walk away from a profound experience, not changed in some way. And I am curious about how this experience, like what you took away from this experience, did it did it change some of the trajectory of your life in any way or or how did it how did it impact you in that way? You know, again, I said it was 14 years ago. And so it's uh, now I have the perspective to look back and see what a incredibly huge shift it had for me and for my siblings. All three of us really had significant shifts uh, at this point, some good, some bad. Uh, and for me, I I think I, I'd like to, to focus on the positive because mostly it really was a huge positive in that accepting this this death of my father who i had this all this energy i had spent so much of my life putting towards this battle with him and 
relieving myself of that was incredibly freeing and I think enabled me to move forward and build my own family. I, I met my wife two two years later, about three and a half years later, actually. But I, I met my my wife then, and we now have two young kids. And I'm old. I mean, I'm 53, and like I think, I mean, you know, well, for to, to have young children, to have a three year old and a six year old, uh, you know, I'm certainly on the older side of parenthood. But like, I I was sure that I would never have kids, and this experience of facing my relationship with my father and coming to terms with it and finding forgiveness, which really was the key to allowing me to move on and build this family that now is, you know, all I think about it's, it's, you know, it's a cliche, but like, you know, the energy that I was putting towards my father, which was such negative energy has been open, relieved and opened up this space for all this positive energy for me to have these relationships with these beautiful, adorable kids. And so, I, you know, I couldn't imagine a bigger transformation in that way. Wow. That's profound. Very profound. What is the biggest takeaway that you can share from our, with our audience from this experience? Is it forgiveness? Is it being involved in caring for one in their death? What, what would you say if you had to leave our audience with one thought, what would you say that would be? Well, I think... What comes to mind from my experience was looking around at the people who survived with you. And in this case, mainly my siblings, but not just my mom, who had been divorced from my dad for decades, had her own profound experience in his death. And our family, I found my family in a way that I would never have done without this, the rawness of this experience. It's sort of like it creates an opportunity for to rethink everything and to reevaluate your relationships. And, you know, and so I think taking this, taking the sadness and the the grief and the the profound life stopping experience to pause and really focus on what you what's important to you the relationships that are important to you and that not to focus on the the loss as much as to focus on the uh the opportunity of your life uh, to move your life forward or different i you know i don't want to love that it's not about like pushing and moving and you know it's not all about progress but to give yourself a sense to to stop and and reframe to think of how to live yeah yeah one of my favorite uh, philosophers, Frederick Buechner, died recently, and he he was quoted as saying, you really aren't living unless you think about the fact that you're going to die at least once a week, is the way he described it. And I was like, there's there's something to that. The reminder that that we all have so much time, I think, is a, a good motivator to think about our life and what that looks like. Well, Michael, we're, we're short on time, but before we go, we did want to give you an opportunity. If our listeners want to connect with you or with your work uh, or, or with your book or, or any, any of the above, um, how might, what's the best way they can go about doing that? The, the title of the book is in Herschel's wake. And that's the name of the website. If you go to inherschelswake.com, you can find information about where to buy the book. It'll be out in October 
you can get there's a mailing list where you can connect with me uh and uh, yeah, i mean that's the easy answer and that has links to my filmmaking work and, and other stuff that i'm doing as well so uh in herschelswake.com is the best uh place to go great and we'll have that link on our website as well Michael, we want to thank you for being a guest here at Let's Talk Death and for sharing the inspiration and the story, Herschel's story, um, your story, and the meaning behind your book. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. If you would like to learn more about Heal Grief, visit us at HealGrief.org to find other conversations or to inquire about becoming a guest speaker. Visit us at HealGrief.org backslash Let's Talk Death. And if you feel inspired to support us, remember, no gift is too small. Visit us at HealGrief.org backslash donations, or you can donate right through our homepage. Well, that's it until next time on Let's Talk Death, where we normalize, educate, and demystify the taboo around death, dying, and the journey of grief.